So today is called You Can't Unring the Bell. So I had to bring some bells. I had to run home and get them, actually, because I forgot. Now, you'll notice each one of those has a different ring to it. But when I thought of this talk, you can't unring the bell. And it, it's, it's kind of like once you have a spiritual awakening, nothing's ever the same. And you could try to go back to the old way of thinking. And, uh, and as, as many groups say, we will refund your misery. We, want to, we don't want to refund anybody's misery. The problem is once you know you've, had, you know you've experienced what I'll call truth, that which has no opposite, it's, it's never the same again. You can't go back to the old way of thinking because the old way of thinking, while it didn't work great before, at least it was familiar, now it's no longer familiar. But, and, and, it, and so now we just walk through life uncomfortable and itchy in our skin. Uh, and AA, it says, AA ruins your drinking. Once you've gone to AA, you can never go back and drink the same. You know, once you have found healing and recovery of some sort, for spiritually, mentally, physically, you just cannot go back. You cannot unring the bell. You know, the bell has woke you up. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. I have a collection of bells, believe it or not. And uh, why wouldn't I? <laughs> the thing is, I didn't go out and get them. I did not go out and get, get bells. Uh, I, a uh, friend of mine, the, this is made from a glass, uh, from a glass company called Duncan Miller. Now, I do collect Duncan Miller, and I bought a lot of it myself. But it is from my hometown. And they went out of business in the mid-50s, mid-1950s. And my friend Bill, every year for Christmas, he would go to this one antiques dealer who sold all these. And he would pick out a glass and he would, you know, and have it made into a bell for me. And so I have about eight of them at home, little Duncan Miller glasses in different shapes. There's wine glasses and there's, I, well, I don't know, what would you drink out of this? Uh, an aperitif? Uh, her teeth, you know, I'm certainly not going to use it for that. And it really, it's not good enough for iced tea. <laughs> it's insufficient for iced tea. It's barely big enough for communion. Uh, but I, I thought I'd bring this little, it's the smallest one that he gave me, that he had made for me. And, I, and I'm so gr glad to have all those bells uh, up on a shelf in the living room. And, uh, and this one, I don't know where I got this. It was not a Duncan Miller, this is, but I like it. That's a Waterford or one of those things. And uh, this sat next to my great-grandmother's bed. When I was a little boy, it was there in case she had to call for help. And uh, I don't know if she ever had to use it or not. But I got to keep that, that bell. And I was always fascinated by that bell. I'd go upstairs, the third floor, and I'd ring it. And, and I never forgot it which means I could never unring it. You know, all these noises I'm making here today, you, you, you can't undo those. And they're pleasant, as far as I know. As far, to me, they're, they're very pleasant sounding. I don't ring the bells off nearly often enough. Maybe I'll start uh, uh, from that shelf at home. But you can't undo your spiritual good. You can only pretend that you never heard it. And I, uh, I don't think we're kidding anybody that I'm in the 12-step fellowship healing program. And I, uh, I, over the years, but I remember once 
meeting someone and up where I work, I used to do light nightclub acts at Don't Tell Mama. And uh, <clears throat> preached on the side. Then it became the other way around. And one day I walked into work and there was this person sitting there. And for some reason, we were really drawn to each other. And I don't know why, but we were. And so we made a date for dinner. This is a lot of years ago. And I remember we were walking up the street towards the restaurant. From, from He met me in my apartment. And we we're walking up the street. And it came out that he had been in the fellowship and had decided... It wasn't for him. And then suddenly I understood why we were so, so cosmically drawn to each other. He wanted what I had without knowing I had it. And I, the disease part of me, wanted what he had to be able to tell myself I could drink. And, and uh, But what I had to laugh at is I was telling him about my home group, and he began to brag about how his former home group of, hey, did things. And, oh, no, we do it the right way over here. We don't do it the way you guys do. But I thought, you don't even belong anymore. <laughs> but it hasn't left you. It hasn't left you. You still want it, but don't know how to get back there. And that happens a lot with spirituality. You know, we, we are awakened. We hear things. And so, and it's wonderful. And then we begin to have a lapse in judgment and a lapse in behaviors. And suddenly it's, it's like, oh, I can't go to church and I'm too ashamed to go to church. I'm too ashamed to talk to my people from my church, from unity and stuff. Uh, Sean's gonna know exactly what happened if I walk in that door. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't know what happened. Why would I? I, I am a minister, I'm not a psychic. And so, that I'm aware of. But, but, so, but so far, I, nobody's ever walked in and I said, oh, you robbed a bank. Oh, you just yelled at your mother. I, no, never. And so, but it's still too hard to come back because the pull for the old behaviors that don't work is still so strong. And the pull for this would ruin all that if I gave in to the pull for the spirituality. And so it's one of those things, I'll get around to my spirituality when I get back, when I'm older, I mean, but you still hear the bell. The bell is still calling because you can't unring it. When you have done something wonderful for yourself, and it was not a selfish gesture, but a community gesture, when you have ended the isolation and you've walked into a fellowship, of like-minded individuals who have all struggled, some who are still struggling. But you've walked into a community that wants higher rather than lower. It's, it's, you hear that bell. <laughs> you know, sometimes. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, oh, I like that bell. There have been so many people who have walked in these doors over the years. And they've said, oh, I'm home. I'm, I didn't know there was a place that talked like this. I didn't know there was a place that welcomed people quite like this. You know, I didn't know there was a place that had no judgment about me. I didn't know. I remember when I went into a Unity Church for the first, not the very first time. The first time what I loved about it is they laughed. They laughed a lot. And that was a new thing for me. Uh, uh, Richard Barnes was his name, that minister, and he, he's not with us anymore. Uh, 
but he 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 was so funny and i i saw him once or twice then i stopped going because i hadn't heard the bell yet and then i get i'm guessing it was a year later it was either six months or a year later i don't remember but it was a sunday after christmas before new year's after christmas and i woke up quarter after 10 on a sunday morning and i heard you need something today Sean, what is it? And I heard, go to Unity. Go up to Lincoln Center. I lived at 44th Street and 9th Avenue in the city. So I was able to, I believe not, shower very fast and get up 9th Avenue to there for the, they had an 11 o'clock service. And I walked in and there was a minister I'd never seen before. And he was also funny. And he talked about Leviticus and all those uh, abominations to God and man. And what came out that day is I wasn't one of them. <laughs> I had suspected this might be true, but I, it was nice to get it affirmed from the pulpit that I'm not an abomination to God, a man, for any reason. Those things in the Bible that call people uh, an abomination, that's about their religion. They're not saying that about people who are from other cultures and religions. They're saying that about themselves. And so when you read Leviticus, remember, they're not talking about you. They're talking about their culture that they had back then. That's not for every living being that's ever going to be. Because if there were only one way into a heaven consciousness, we're not talking about heaven in the sky later on, we're talking about a heaven consciousness right now. And so what went on the bell that went off for me that day was that I was good. And I could never not be good in God. And it had nothing to do with my past. It had nothing to do with my sexuality. It had nothing to do with what I ate. It had nothing to do with how I felt. It had to do with what I am. I am good because I am of God. And so within whatever God is, I am good. And that, that the person sitting here was also good. And the person sitting here was good. And the person in front of me was also good. It even meant the people I didn't like were good. And that, that took a burden off of me, quite frankly. It no longer mattered whether I liked them or not. It wasn't relevant to the truth of everything. And so I didn't have to maintain my dislike anymore to prove a point because I was never going to prove a point by maintaining a resentment. And I became open and willing to begin to experience real forgiveness. And I'm still working on that all these years later that, you know, new people pop up where I think my, my opinion, my offendedness is valid. And it is not. It just tells me where I am with my thinking that I am trying to silence the bell. But that big bell that day, 1997, no, 1996, last day of, last Sunday of December, 1996, when I got it, I am good. I am not an abomination. I am not a sinner. I am not part of a religion that tells me I am less than God's beloved child. A beautiful creation of a creative and loving God. 
that was a nice bell. That was a really nice bell to go off. And it's never been unrung. That, 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 I'll be forever grateful. I found out that I can heal from anything. As, you know, that was what, that, that Sunday. And the following week was New Year's Eve on a, I don't know what night of the week it was, but the, the minister there was having a, a service. And I thought, I'm going to go to that. Because I was volunteering uh, for, you know, another group, not a church group. I was volunteering for something for all night that helped other, helped that served people. But I could go to this earlier service and then go downtown for that uh, other event where I was, I think I was chairing it actually. And so I uh, heard that service. I couldn't tell you one thing he said. I just felt great. But he was offering a Tuesday class starting in uh, the second week of January, and it was called How to Let God Help You, based on Myrtle Fillmore's book. Myrtle Fillmore's the co-founder of Unity, co-pioneer. And so I bought the book and went to the class, and I loved it. That first day, it was just so great. And he said, you know, you could take this class for credit. It's $15 to get 10 credits towards becoming a licensed Unity teacher. Now, I did not know what a licensed Unity teacher was. I'd never heard of such a thing. And I thought, well, I've certainly thrown away $15 enough times in my life. So what do I have to lose? And so on that Tuesday, I bought the book and I signed up for the class for credits. And on Thursday, my mother made her transition completely by surprise. And I, uh, I didn't find out till the following Sunday, actually. That, that, that she had died. Uh, but she died on Thursday. We found her on, on Sunday. And because of everything, I remember in that first class, somebody he talked about praying for those who are sick and dying and how to pray for them. And I remember on Thursday, mother called me and said, hi, Sean's mother. I thought you'd be home. And normally she always said, Sean's mother, no big deal. I'll call you later. So I tried calling her back Thursday afternoon and she didn't answer. She was already gone. I tried calling Friday. The machine's picking up right away. And I thought, Mother's not the type to go out of town for the weekend. What's going on here? People are leaving messages and she's not picking up. By Sunday, I called my brother and said, something's up. You need to go in. And, and it was that night that he, uh, he went in with the police and the landlord and they found her. And she's laying in bed, radio playing. No fuss, no moss. It was clearly she just went right up out of her body. And so that following Tuesday, I came, or no, so I went home for her funeral. And I remember, so many of you have heard me tell this story, but it's one of my favorites. When I saw my mother in the casket, and I asked for an open casket, and I looked at her, and she didn't look a thing like my mother, because you don't stay the same if nobody gets to you right away. But I wanted an open casket if it was possible, and it was possible. And I remember uh, looking at her, and I thought, oh my goodness, my mother's in a casket. I don't know what to do with this information. This is just too big. And I thought, that's what God is. Just too big. Too big for me to understand. My mother's death was too big for me to understand. God is too big for me to understand. Life is too big for me to understand. Even hatred and violence and resentment is just too big to understand. But most, most, most of what I see in the world, it's just too temporary for me to understand. 
And God itself is so much more than I could ever put in a box and define. And I was okay with that. And so for the rest of that week, I could cry when it was time to cry, and I could laugh when something funny happened. I, I, I was not committed to any type of, uh, what do you call it, emotion. I was open and I was receptive. And, and so my mother's death was the big, biggest experience to date that I've ever, uh, ever had. I lost my memory for about six months. I mean, I could remember some stuff, but I could walk away from you having had a conversation that I had no idea what had happened, what we had talked about, and I didn't care. The details of life no longer mattered for a long, long time. And I continued to take classes. And for the longest time, I didn't look to see how many classes I needed to graduate because I was going to become a unity practitioner or a spiritual practitioner. I wanted to know how to practice God. I didn't want to, I, I'll teach it if I get around, if I ever get all those credits. I, my history is not one that finished schools. My history is one that uh, left because I needed to get my hands on life. But in this case, I wanted to read all the books and then I wanted to put them into practice. Uh, before I ever taught them, I wanted to practice them. And then, bit by, and then I started adding up, the credits started adding up to a lot. And then I went to Unity Village for the first time, and that was that was a remarkable week. And I took four classes in one week, and that, that's eight hours a day of studying. It's a lot. and But I was thrilled. I had friends who went with me, and I made new friends, and I, got, I began to get involved in the Unity movement. And I began to think maybe I could be a Unity minister. And, you know, a few years later I was. I, I, I'm all, I always like to say, and you've, anybody who ever saw my act saw it, I didn't leave high school voted most likely to be a minister. And our old music director always said, Sean, you may have been voted most likely to need one. <laughs> he was not wrong. And so through all this, the bell stayed rung in my mind, and I was glad to keep it in my mind. I was so interested because I no longer had to worry about a place called hell. I no longer had to worry about a God that was mad at me. I no longer had to worry about, is it Jesus I have to pray to or do I have to do all this? No, I, I knew I don't have to worry. I can go directly to source. Jesus is a great teacher. And, he may, and in the Bible, it says, through me, you must come through me. But what it means is, I have found a way into the kingdom in my mind, in my consciousness. Follow me and I'll show, follow me and I'll show you. It doesn't mean let, bow down and worship me. In fact, he kept saying, don't worship me. It's not me doing it. It's your faith that makes you whole. Now, what do you have your faith in? And, and I kept learning more and more. Oh, it's my faith. It's my faith. It's not Jesus' faith that gets me there. It's my faith that gets me here. And it's always been my faith that gets me here. It's always, whether here is miserable or happy, it's my faith. It's faith. Uh, it's either my faith in uh, life and love or it's my faith in my fear. I can go either way, but I am choosing I am choosing, and I am choosing to ring the bell over and over again, or I am choosing 
mute the bell. I am choosing. And that's because I am so loved. I have the power to choose. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, I learned early on, it was, it's, it's kind of a mistaken thing to say God loves you. Because how could God love you if God can't not love you? God is love itself. And so we are enveloped in love itself. And one might say, well, how could we be enveloped in love itself and all these terrible things happen? And I say, continue to do your, your, your research. Continue to study. Continue to pray. Continue to meditate. Continue to listen for the bells. Continue to listen. Maybe they're not terrible things. Maybe are the, they are the resa- results of too many people who muted the bell, including you. Unmute it. Unmute the bell. Make yourself crazy with the darn bells. But keep hearing the bells of spirit. Keep hearing the bells of recovery. Keep heal. Excuse me. Keep hearing. The bells. And the reason you're hearing them is because you're listening to them. I, I find it so exciting that we could have a church where our soloist just played a magnificent arrangement of Malaguena. <laughs> what the heck? And that lifted the spirit up in this place like nobody's business. And our musician has a golden red sparkly jacket on. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a vest on like this. And shoes, which you probably can't see, but they're pretty great. I thought, when am I ever going to get to wear this stuff anymore? So I'm wearing them. (laughs) And that's because it's fun. If I could uh, ring a bell for you today, Let the bell be that within God, you're allowed to have a lot of fun, even on the hard days. Take time out from the difficulty to have fun, to laugh. I laughed a lot at my mother's funeral while I was feeling terrific grief. I remember somebody somebody came up to me at the funeral home and during the visitation, an old friend that I, I used to buy clothing from, he had a clothing store. And we used to, when I'd go home, we'd tell each other jokes and things. But he came up to, you know, he, my family all bought from them. And, and he came up to me at the funeral home and he said, so what's new? And I said, my mother died. And he went, <laughs> because he wanted to laugh. <laughs> and, but that was what was new. <laughs> you know, and I, I remember I came back from, you know, Pennsylvania and everything. And I was working out the gym and I, I did that then. And I had a trainer. <laughs> And he liked my watch. He said, that's a great watch. I said, oh, thank you. My mother gave that to me for Christmas one year. He said, oh, yeah, how is your mother? And I said, well, she's still dead. (laughs) 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 And I enjoy, those are funny things to me. That's just funny because people have such discomfort. They have such taboos around all that stuff. But what if we can laugh about all of it? What if so much of life is hysterical because it's just too big to understand? Let the bell ring for you so that you can uh, just have the great, a great time. I'll, t- I'll close with this story. It happened just yesterday in our home. David's big computer died this week. That's the one his new book is on. 
And uh, and it's like, oh, he couldn't. It just died. And he didn't know what. So he called his guy that has done a lot for us. And the guy drives like 25, 30 miles to get to our house. And he came in yesterday. And he went to the bedroom, or not the bedroom, the office, David's office. And his three helpers went in with him, Gabriel, Cooper, and Gwendolyn, <laughs> our cats. And, uh, you know, because they're helpers. They, they, they're big helpers. And the guy's looking. And suddenly Gabriel walks up on the desk and walks right behind here. And, and the guy went to get him out and said, oh, look, that's unplugged. <laughs> it was a place David didn't think to look, didn't know connected. Gabriel walked him right over to it and then came out and kissed the guy. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, St. Gabriel is a helper. And that's all it took was the one thing got unplugged. Probably Gabriel unplugged it at some point. But, uh, and, uh, and the guy wouldn't charge David. He said, oh, no, we've done so many big things together. I can do this for you. And, and so, I think our song that's coming out of this today, well, first I want to ring the bell. Did you hear that? You, David got what he needed, easily and effortlessly, instead of throwing a fit around the house like, oh, why does everything happen to me? Happened. The kitty. The kitty. So David is going to uh, close us out today, David Mayalko. Mayalko. Perfect. Yeah, Mount. Mount. I, uh, I think about it too much, and then I start saying all sorts of ridiculous pronunciations. It's like my name. Uh, if I, you know, my last name is Moninger, and if I dare give you how the mispronunciations, you'll be doing it. And I'm not going to plant that seed. And, but it's funny that today, David would choose this next solo, called "Kitten on the Keys." Ah.